Hello, Feisties. I'm Sarah Gross, CEO and founder of Feisty Media. And I'm here to tell you that our foundational strength training course, Strong, is on sale now through April 10th. If you're like me, you probably get a lot of crap in your Instagram or Facebook feed telling you how you should look or how you will feel if you look a certain way. As summer approaches, this only gets worse. We are told we should have a quote-unquote summer body, as if our bodies somehow morph into something completely different just because the weather changes. And frankly, over here at Feisty Media, we are totally sick of it. Because at Feisty, our vision is to build an empowering culture for active women. We want to shift our attention away from what our bodies look like and focus instead on what our bodies can do especially during the summer months when having the physical strength to do the activities we love is so important. The Strong Course is designed to take any woman, regardless of your starting point, through everything you need to know to level up your strength training journey. It includes a 16-week program to help you progress from wherever you are to lifting heavy or heavy-ish with dumbbells or a barbell. It also includes modules on the physiology of strength training for women, nutrition, how we keep ourselves injury-free, and more. I want every woman to be able to do the things that bring her joy and be strong enough to do them for life. Enrollment in this course is now open and you can sign up and learn more at womensperformance.com forward slash strong or check the show notes of this episode for the link. And for those of you who are among the 800 women who have already taken the Strong Course with one of our previous cohorts, congratulations on taking the plunge. And to the rest of you, see you in the course in April. Make this summer your strongest and best ever. Head over to womensperformance.com forward slash strong today. you have to nourish your body. And if you, um, there's a hashtag like nourish, not punish. I mean, I think that if you can see food as, um, as a source of fuel and fun and enjoyment, not a, a way to punish your body, not a way to, um, make up for what you did, or, you know, we just, we live diet culture, just really, hones in on this 1200 to 1500 calorie intake. And it never says like, well, where are you at in your cycle? How far postpartum are you? You know, it just, it never takes those aspects in. So we really, um, want to look at, you know, you are worth eating. (laughs) I mean, and you are just, you're more than what you eat and, and that you can enjoy ice cream with your kids. And I just, the client that I just had before this is, if you give yourself permission to enjoy food, it will not be as tempting as what you think it is. Welcome to the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gross, Ironman champion, PhD in women's history, and founder and CEO of Feisty Media. I started this show because I wanted to cut through the BS of diet culture and fitness culture and actually learn from high achieving women at the top of their game who have figured out how to feel and perform their best at every stage of life. 
So I chat with experts, elite athletes, and leaders who have learned to succeed despite the massive gender data gap in exercise and medical science and product development. Every episode is filled with information, advice, and anecdotes that will help you fulfill your potential as an athlete, mom, leader, or business owner. And listen up. If you don't subscribe to our women's performance newsletter, you are definitely missing out. It's totally free. So head over to womensperformance.com and subscribe now. That's womensperformance.com. This podcast is a production of Feisty Media. Hey, Feisties. Hope everyone's feeling good and enjoying a little sunshine, whatever you are doing. Maybe you're out for a run with us today um, or on a bike ride or just in a walk doing some chores. Um, thank you so much for joining us for episode 22 of the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. Before we get started, I just want to give a heads up about the, the seagulls for some reason right above my office. I know that you've probably heard this before if you're a regular listener, but the seagulls have been especially bad the last couple of days and they're just squawking. So I'm, I can't hear them because I have my headphones on. So if you hear a chorus of seagulls, that's what it is. There's not like a dying animal in the background. It's just seagulls. And besides the seagulls, we have registered dietitian nutritionists, Kendra Miller and Tiffany Ricci who want to help us improve our lives and fitness through sustainable nutrition, education, support, and accountability. Tiffany and Kendra are women who understand the frustrations and busy life and the difficulties that go into improving health and fitness, especially for busy parents. They know what it takes to try to get your energy back, find your motivation, improve your performance through nutrition coaching. Together, they founded Fuelin Life Nutrition. They focus a lot on busy athletic moms and have great advice for pre and postnatal women, as well as all busy parents. I personally benefited a lot from this conversation. Um, if nothing else, it affirmed some of my, what I thought were perhaps bad nutrition choices when I was making decisions on what to feed my child and completely normalized um, the rushing around uh, throwing a whole variety of different kinds of food at your kid. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And just a heads up for our audience that this week, after this week's episode, the one you're currently listening to, we're going to be taking a short summer break and we will be back on August 15th. But in the meantime, definitely listen to the nine voices for title nine podcast. If you haven't already, it drops uh, every week from now until August 11th uh, on this feed. So you don't even have to go and subscribe to another feed. Uh, I've been recording intros and outros every week with Celine Yeager, who's the host of the hit play, not pause podcast. And every week I'm kind of blown away by the, the stories of the people who we are interviewing and the, essentially the folks who have seen generational change for women's sports. Um, they have sometimes very different, but always very inspiring perspectives. And before we hear from Kendra and Tiffany, I also want to really thank our sponsors, Inside Tracker, App Prey Delight, and Fuel and App for their support. Please use the codes in the show notes, and you'll be not just supporting our sponsors, but also supporting the podcast.
Kendra, Tiffany, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sarah. Thanks for having us on. We're excited to be here. Yeah, I, I'm, I am stoked. I'm wondering, I already hear a child in the background. Is that, oh is gosh, so I'm sorry. That's pretty normal. I, of course, it's like the chaos of everyday life. My husband got called into work and so he was supposed to have the kids this afternoon and now they're in front of a movie and with snacks, right? That's how you entertain them. Okay. I just wanted to call that out because like this, I know we're going to talk about motherhood and, and nutrition quite a lot. And so I'm like, oh, this is the perfect beginning. <laughs> it's life. It's real life. It's definitely real life. Okay. I want to hear your story. I know the two of you, um, I told Tiffany or Kendra before the show that I, I spent the morning watching some of your reels. Um, and so I know that you sort of have a similar ethos around nutrition and stuff. How did you two meet and come to work together? Well, we met in Alaska in the off chance. So I was in rural Alaska and Tiffany was in Fairbanks and we both served on the Alaska Dietetic Association board together. And so fun fact is I think we've only actually met in person, what, like four, maybe five times, but we've been working together for over a decade. And wow. yeah, so whether yeah. it's through the, the board in Alaska or in our business now, but that's how we originally met. And right before COVID started, we both moved down to the lower 48. Um, I'm in Asheville, North Carolina, and Tiffany is in Billings, Montana. And we were just chatting. We're like, oh my gosh, we miss like the nutrition aspect and private practice, but we don't want to do it on our own anymore. And we liked the fitness aspect of what we were doing currently. And we're like, wait a minute, we should just team up together and do our own business and create with it what we want and what we feel like moms need in this current day and age. And so that's how we came to have feeling life nutrition. Um, but since then, I think our friendships grow more and more as a result right. of that as well. <laughs> and yes. so it's not just nutrition that we talk about. We talk about life. <laughs> right. And motherhood. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. And when you, how long have you been running fuel in life? So we started in April of 2020. Is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we both had private practice several years before that. And, um, and a whole myriad as dietitians kind of get a good chunk of experience. So mm-hmm. did you see the need specifically for like mom athletic types? Is that, was that the need that you saw when you started the business? Yes. Yes. We would see moms go out and run suicide sprints and do burpees and have nothing but maybe a sip of cold coffee before then. And then they were struggling to meet their goals, you know, athletically, um, aesthetically, all, all of that. And we just thought, how can you not be eating? <laughs> how can you not be eating before you're doing these really hard workouts? And then, um, and then just as moms ourselves, like the great privilege we have to share nutrition with our children. Um, and because we make most of the decisions on meal planning and going to the grocery store and, um, you know, and, and providing meals day in and day out. And so we wanted not only to give moms, um, uh, you know, nutrition information that would support their busy lives and their activities, but also to give them, you know, just this insight into the power that they have as moms, the influence that you have with nutrition. Um, and so that, I think that was a big spark for us. Yeah. What are the things, what are the unique needs that you saw moms have? I mean, you, you said that you noted 
folks like not eating it. I think that's very common, right. With the diet culture that we have, like people doing fasting and um, whatever else kind of low carb stuff that I've seen you (laughs) rail about over on (laughs) I know I've tested out those things too and felt like crap from not eating carbs. So I know exactly what you're talking about, but um, you mentioned that, but what are the, some of the unique needs you saw with um, moms? I think we saw a lot of diet cycling, especially postpartum phase is that moms would want to quote, get their body back and try the latest fad. And it would work for three months and then it wasn't working anymore, but they were trying to breastfeed and it wasn't helpful for milk production. And then they would try and run a marathon, but they would bonk and went like halfway into it. And so we were seeing these things over and over again. And it was just starting to become a pattern and there wasn't a whole lot of space out there that was talking specifically to this recently postpartum or prenatal phase of motherhood that said, Hey, this is how you need to fuel your body. And this is how you're going to perform well and be a good role model and how you are going to feed your children when things get crazy and you don't really know what's for dinner and um, you're running to soccer practice and all these other things that get in life's way. Um, we saw this need and it wasn't alone. And I think a lot of times women tend to think that they are having to challenge, to work through these challenges in the silo without the support that they need. And um, giving them the support has been really amazing to see how they've grown and their eyes have opened and it's influenced not just themselves in their physical sense, but their families as well. You know, you mentioned breastfeeding. Uh, Kendra. And I think like, I was going to ask about that specifically, because I know like when I was breastfeeding my daughter, right. I like, I held on to a little bit of weight until I stopped breastfeeding. Um, and I couldn't get, I was a professional athlete at the time. Right. So it was like a little bit annoying to not be able to quite get to race weight. Then I had other friends who like, couldn't keep weight on, like would just, they couldn't get enough calories in. They had to like, almost like dial back their running or whatever they were doing because they, so do you, I'm just wondering what you suggest, um, Tiffany, maybe what you re, you suggest for breastfeeding moms. So we, um, so that's a very like, uh, testament to how unique and different our bodies are. And not only necessarily from one mo- mom to another, but from one kid within a mom, you know, one mom might have her first baby and be like, I just dropped the weight. And then, you know, baby number two, baby number three, I'm just not, I can't get rid of this, you know, excess weight as fast or as easily as I did before. And so it's just a, a combination of mom and baby, but for, for breastfeeding, when we look at, you know, just very basic guidelines, number one, it's increased water intake. So we, um, generally recommend at least 90 ounces of water a day for women, probably a little bit more if you're a heavy sweater, but breastfeeding can go up to 128 ounces of water. Um, so that is definitely one thing. And then the other thing is that you need more energy on board to breastfeed your baby than you ever did to grow it in utero. So, Oh, really? That's an interesting fact, mm-hmm. right? The, I mean, there are lots of different, unfortunately, there are lots of different, there isn't like one precise number, but for, um, for the third trimester, it's between like 300 to 500 extra calories a day, just yeah. depending on the source that you see for breastfeeding, it's between 400 and 600. And that is also utilizing the fat stores that you put on during pregnancy. So when wow. people drastically reduce their calories, 
and they increase their exercise, this is where we see like their breast milk production can um, falter because you need so much, you know, there's no hunger like breastfeeding hunger. (laughs) And it's because your body needs a lot, your fiber intake goes up a little bit more. um, Because the hormones can, um, can just wreck a little havoc on your bowels. So water and energy and fiber for sure. What a, the thing that's striking me is like what you just said about there be needing more calories and breastfeeding than actually like growing the baby, <laughs> essentially. It's exactly opposite of the cultural messaging that we receive. Right. Right. Oh, like when right. you're pregnant, everybody's like, eat, eat, you're eating for two, da, da, da. Right. And then as soon as like the baby's out there, it's like, like literally the day that I gave birth to my daughter, someone commented on like my belly. They're like, is there a second one in there? <gasps> Oh my goodness. The day. <sighs> the day of. <laughs> the family, yeah, it's a family member who came to, and like just, you know, the person didn't know, right? He had never seen seen a woman. I mean, maybe or maybe he didn't, he was elderly. So maybe he didn't remember, you know, his wife giving birth. I don't know. But like <laughs> I was like, what? Was I supposed to just miraculously transform back into my body? And like that's the thing, right? And I think even like a lot of the, even I went running with a friend this morning. Right. And she's asking me like, is this, is, do you think my weight is normal for one month postpartum? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, but yeah, like that's, how do you, wow. How you must have to work with that mindset a lot in your, in your practice. Like, is that something that you, do you try to reinforce a lot for women? Absolutely. I think that's one place that we start with all of our clients, no matter where they are in their postpartum journey, whether they're, you know, one month postpartum or 10 years postpartum, like it's all about mindset and you have to get into the right mindset before you can have sustainable nutrition changes that last and that are doable because it's the small changes that add up, but you can't even get there until you're in the right mindset for change. And so that's the premise of our feeling intensive program that we work with women on is just to start off with the right mindset before you even start setting your goals. You got to get in the right mindset. You got to know why you are striving to make change and what that really looks like for you long-term. Yeah. So what would that right mindset be? Like, what would be the things that you would, your client should tell themselves? Uh, Well, we, you have to nourish your body. And if you, um, there's a hashtag like nourish, not punish. I mean, I think that if you can see food as, um, as a source of fuel and fun and enjoyment, not a a way to punish your body, not a way to, um, make up for what you did, or, you know, we just, we live diet culture just really hones in on this 1200 to 1500 calorie intake. And it never says like, well, where are you at in your cycle? How far postpartum are you? You know, it just, it never takes those aspects in. So we really um, want to look at, you know, you are worth eating. (laughs) I mean, and you are just, you're more than what you eat and, and that you can enjoy ice cream with your kids. And I just, the client that I just had before this is if you give yourself permission to enjoy food, it will not be as tempting as what you think it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Okay. So I think the main message I've got so far is that we need to eat. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think yes. <laughs> I had an employee here um, 
who said when she first started with us, she's like, I think the first thing that I learned from feisty right now is that I need to eat. <laughs> and she said, yeah. he started eating breakfast as a result of, cause she previously didn't eat until sort of lunchtime or even later. She's like, what a great influence. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I don't even remember talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Like obviously we do. Um, but I, what I was going to ask is like specifically, and even I struggle with this, like I struggle to eat in the morning. Like what, what actually should we eat or what do you recommend? Sorry. That was like the biggest question ever. Like <laughs> but, we're going broad here. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> what, I, what I was thinking is, you know, sort of, we know, like we know that we need to eat more and to be like comfortable eating all different kinds of food and all that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But like, walk me through some things that you recommend, like starting with breakfast, which I think is a really tough one for people. So we usually say, um, as our motto, you go to breakfast like a queen, lunch like a princess, and dinner like a pauper. So along with the tried and true saying of breakfast is the most important meal of the day, we really push that because you're feeling your most active parts of the day. It's not like you need to fuel your body to go to sleep. Uh, that's not when you're going to be moving around. That's not when you're going to be chasing kiddos around. That's not whenever you're going to be you know, doing your workouts. You're going to be doing your workouts during the day, right? So you need to make sure that you have adequate fuel on board, specifically carbohydrates in the mornings, making sure you have a broad blend and blend of complex carbohydrates, lots of fiber, um, some protein for satiety and some fat for absorption. And that looks different for everyone. Um, and it's, you know, it can be an egg and veggie burrito to start off the day, or it can be a bowl of oatmeal or like one of my favorites is peanut butter and jelly sandwich with like fruit. Like these are good things that it doesn't have to be a lot to be breakfast like a queen, but it can get you started on the right day on the right track for the day. And then you go into lunch. And again, we're still wanting that balance of nutrition to make sure that you're getting a blend of fruits and vegetables and calcium rich foods as well as complex carbohydrates and protein that carry you on again throughout the remainder of your day. And until you get to dinner and you might not eat as much carbohydrates because you're not going to be as much as active during that part, unless you have an evening workout in that time, things change. Um, and Tiffany, maybe you can add about the exercise bubble here in just a second, but, um, but in that case, you, you want to make sure that you are eating well and that you're well-fueled for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with a balance of nutrition throughout each meal. And then making sure you give your body time to rest before bedtime, if at all possible, because that's whenever we repair our muscles that we have expended throughout the day, we're building up our immune system. We're doing all this amazing stuff while we're sleeping. So sleep is super important. Um, eating is important, but we got to do things separately so our body can work as efficiently as possible. And I said the exercise bubble, so I'm going to pass it on to Tiffany so she can kind of explain it a little bit better because there are differences whenever it comes to exercise than your typical day-to-day nutrition. Right. So we like, um, obviously you can't see this if you're listening, but like an exercise bubble. So with your exercise in the middle and depending on how long your exercise is, um, you would fuel up and fuel through and refuel and, and you can place your meals kind of, you know, if you're having a mid-morning workout, then your fueling up might be breakfast. You know, it might be, um, that good mix of all those nutrients that Kendra talked about, or if you're having an early morning workout, you would fuel your, um, 
work out with some, some simple carbohydrates, like things that would break down very quickly. So maybe it's a few saltine crackers or some apple juice or half a banana, and then you would have your workout and then your refueling might be your breakfast. Um, and so the, the, the type of carbohydrate really depends on where it's being added into your exercise bubble, you know, so if you have, so if you have time to digest your food before you, um, exercise, then you can have more complex food, you know, but if you're rolling out of bed, like wiping the crusties out of your eyes and, you know, then, then you don't want to have a bowl of oatmeal because that's not enough time, you know, to digest the protein and the fiber that's in there to get you on your run. But you could have something simple, like some apple juice or white grape juice or half a banana, something that just puts carbohydrates, glucose into your bloodstream quickly. And then your refueling would be a source of carbohydrates and protein, um, carbs to help protein do its job. So in diet culture, and I'm sure that you've heard this a lot, like carbs just get this bad rap. And I don't know why. I mean, we love carbs and we are here for them. <laughs> um, but they fuel your exercise and they fuel your day and they fuel your brain. And so, um, so they need to be a part of your refueling strategy because that will ref, you know, that'll give your body the energy that it needs, um, so that protein can work on the muscle repair. Interesting. So those two things work together. Like if you're just having protein, like my, like I have like a protein mm -hmm. shake, like a supplement comes, right? Like, like yeah. it says to just, it says to just put it into this shaker thing, you know, like <laughs> I don't usually do this by the way. That's just what the package <laughs> says. And I, and you're supposed to just shake it and drink it. And I always think like, am I just supposed to drink pure protein after my work? Oh, I was like, that, that sounds awful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, even if it tastes no. like chocolate, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. And the, the carbohydrates are co-transporters. I mean, they, um, the glucose helps, like it takes the hand of the electrolytes and it brings it across the intestinal lining so that it can be absorbed um, quickly. And so you need these carbs to do that because the protein, if you just have the protein, that's going to be diverted to energy because you just blew through a lot of energy in your workout. And it's not going, there isn't going to be as many amino acids to help with the repairing of the exercise of the muscles. Right. And you know, when I was like, I was a pro athlete years ago. Right. And I remember we always talked about like the refueling window and it was different. The timing of when you need carbs versus protein was kind of different. I'm, I'm kind of wondering what's the up-to-date information now on like, is it like, do you need to take in carbs and protein like within 15 minutes after exercise or like, what are the timelines that we know best now? So for women, it's a little bit different than men. Uh, we we do know that, um, they get more, but as women, we get more benefit from taking in our energy in the form of carbohydrates and protein within the, at least we, we say the 60 minute window of anabolic opportunity is what it's called. And so within 60 minutes is generally what we recommend. You can see benefits up to 24 hours afterwards, but really you want to get it closer to your workout time as possible. And, um, usually 30 to 60 minutes, like I said, is where it's at. You still get benefits. Let's say something happens. And like we said earlier, Tiffany and I work with moms that are, you know, it's okay. Oh my gosh, you forgot your refueling snack after your workout and you have to go to the park and then you have to pick up your kids. Okay. It's not going to be the end of the world if you missed this one, but get it in as soon as possible, because it's still going to give you a benefit the quicker you get it in, as opposed to waiting a few hours until your next meal. Mm -hmm. 
Interesting. Yeah. I find, you know, cause I went from, of course, training several hours per day to like one hour or less per day. <laughs> right? Oh, oh but, and I will add like on that is if you're doing multiple workouts, you yeah. absolutely need to refuel after your workout. So as soon as you're done refuel, so you'll be ready for your next workout later on. In right. the day. That's what I was going to ask about, yeah. right. Is because like now, like it's sort of my reason change. Like I notice it's not so urgent that I need to refuel right away because I don't have that second session or third session coming up in the day. But at the same time, like it, it helps my energy levels. Like if I don't get my refueling snack or have a meal, my work <laughs> later in the day, is that sort of normal? Is that substantiated in some way? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And your body is looking for that energy. So the longer that you go, it's almost like the hangrier that you get, the more that you will need to feel, um, to feel satisfied because your body is not only needing the, the regular amount of nutrition throughout the day, but also it's going to be looking for the nutrition that is compensating for the exercise that you just did, you know, so for all of that. So if you miss that, that's absolutely, um, I mean, and they'll even show studies that where cyclists, if they miss their refueling window the next day, their, their performance is, is lower. Mm -hmm. And this is granted mostly done on men, but there were a couple of women in the study. And, and so it's so their work, you know, your work is impacted if you don't refuel as, as soon as you can. And obviously, um, like Kendra said, you're not, it's not like you didn't get a good workout in because you didn't refuel, but the, the more that it becomes a habit, the, the better off that you are. And other things specifically that, um, say new moms, either we can, we can start with breastfeeding moms, but even moms with young kids should eat that might be different than what their male counterparts would do. Um, try to think about that one. And I don't know that necessarily that's the case, especially when we're talking about like recently, like after a workout is that I'm, so we usually say, you know, on a three to one ratio of carbs to protein to start off with. Now it could be more individualized depending on who you are, the type of workout that you're doing and things along that line. But as a general guideline, we want to make sure we have at least three grams of carbs to one gram of protein with it. If you are, um, you know, looking for more satiety as well, you want to make sure you get some fiber in there with that too. So things that we look for are going to be like a banana with some peanut butter, a smoothie, um, a half of a sandwich, some trail mix. Um, Tiffany, other ideas? I, I feel like I'm like going through my list of things. <laughs> no, I think pairing, um, like pairing the carbohydrates, like an apple with the cheese stick, um, like a hard boiled egg and some whole wheat crackers. Mm -hmm. And I think what's maybe more of the difference for females versus males is, is absolutely needing the, the carbohydrates because they set the stage for hormone production in a way that men just don't need that, you know, their bodies, um, aren't going to be, you know, their progesterone isn't going to be affected because their cortisol levels are high because they're, you know, they're not fueling enough. Whereas women, um, women need that to set the stage for good hormone production. And that happens in the form of carbohydrates more so than guys. So a lot of these protein shakes and stuff might just be fine for guys because they don't, um, 
they're not women, you know, <laughs> they, don't, they don't have the luxury of having all of these different hormone fluctuations, you know, they're just status quo, like very boring. I mean, <laughs> not that they're boring in and of themselves. They only just have one cycle and we get, yeah. we get, we get two. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is awesome. <laughs> Love it. Um, okay. What about supplements? Uh, do you recommend, are there any supplements or I just like, I'm just throwing out all the big questions. Now. That's fine. <laughs> That's are, there, fine. <laughs> are there certain supplements that you recommend? I'm not a big supplement person. Um, so I'm just wondering if there are things you specifically recommend, especially, especially for moms or for women as we age. So Tip and I just had this conversation <laughs> the other day. So it's funny that you asked this one because there's more and more evidence coming out. Like we've always been pushed to take the multivitamin. Like as women, you need a multivitamin, get your multivitamin. And there's the efficacy is just not what we thought it was. And so, yes, we're going to still recommend that during your prenatal and newly postpartum phase. But a lot of times, depending on, it depends on the individual, like what are your lab values? What do those indicate that you need? Maybe you need more magnesium. And so you're going to take a magnesium supplement in the evenings, or maybe you only need it during the latter half of your cycle to help mitigate some of those headaches or PMS type symptoms. Or let's say, you know, in my case, I recently had lab work done and my iron was low and it was super surprising for me. And so I need to up my iron. And so I'm taking my iron supplements. I'm taking my B12 supplements, um, because these are indicated on my lab results that I need. And I wouldn't have known that had I not looked at that, but that's part of what a dietitian does is they look at those lab results and say, Oh, this is, this is something that we need to work on. This is how you can do it within the foods that you're eating. And we always say food first before we supplement, but sometimes food's just not enough. And this could be a whole other topic on like our food system. So I'm not getting into that, but, um, (laughs) but sometimes food's not enough. And so we do need a supplement or we do need to look at fortified foods to get that boost of nutrition, whether it's from vitamins or minerals that we're not getting in the other foods that we're eating. So, and then Pregnancy is a whole nother package of nutrition that we need during that time. Um, a lot of things we talk about making sure that we have enough folate in our diet. Um, if we're not supplementing for that or not eating fortified foods with folic acid in them, then we need to get it in there. Um, especially like in that very, very early prenatal phase, or whenever you're just thinking about becoming pregnant and you want to make sure you have enough of that on board. Um, iron's another one as your blood volume is increasing. You want to make sure you have adequate iron. We also see a lot of low iron or low hemoglobin status during early pregnancy. And, um, even in postpartum after (laughs) delivery, we see it a lot too. So we want to make sure we have adequate iron in there. Other things we tend to look at are iodine deficiencies Mm -hmm. too. We're seeing more of that. Um, And that prenatal vitamin is critical for that period as well to get that in there. If, um, especially since uh, other foods are limited during pregnancy, those that have high mercury. So that's going to be a lot of our fish, um, where we also get some iodine sources too. So it's a whole plethora of supplements, depending on where you're at in your phase of life and, um, what your lab values look like and your circumstances individually. Right. Yeah. And I was, um, Iodine, one thing here in the United States that's helpful is our salt is um, fortified with iodine. 
but not like the bougie Himalayan salt. So you've got to make sure that you're getting some of that, just Morton's regular iodized salt um, so that you're getting a form of iodine during pregnancy and also vitamin D um, because we just don't, you know, even though some of our foods are fortified with that, it just isn't, doesn't seem to be enough, but we, again, we always say food first. And so if you're opposed to eating red meat and your iron is low, then we might look at an iron supplement. Um, and you know, if you live in Billings, Montana, you know, you're probably not getting enough vitamin D. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you probably need to take a vitamin D supplement. Um, but, but it really just depends on, like Kendra said, the stage of the season of life. Um, but one thing and in, in just in working with pregnant women, if you're thinking about becoming pregnant, then you absolutely need to look at your folate and your iodine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that just is, if it's not top of mind that you're eating dark leafy greens every single day, then, um, then that would be something to start supplementing with because often by the time that you know that you're deficient, it's been too late in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, what about something like um, creatine? or like supplements for, so oh, I did, you talk about this earlier. Too. Oh, I, this is, I have this conversation with my husband all the time on creatine. And so uh, he's pretty open. So I'm sure he will allow me to say that he started taking it, but we've had this in depth discussion for months now on creatine and the benefits of it. And um, what's the, what's your verdict? <laughs> it has been actually very helpful. And so a lot of times we, the supplement is helpful in the quick reaction time for weightlifting. For example, if you're going to be starting more of that, um, or some neuromuscular, um, connections that you're trying to work through, um, it can help be helpful for building those whenever you want a quick reaction time. Um, so if you're doing more muscle and strength building, that's whenever you might consider it and it could be beneficial. Uh, the other thing that comes along with that, which people don't really understand is that you are going to gain water weight with it too. <laughs> and so, especially for women is they're like, Oh, I started taking this and I'm bulking up and it's just muscle. I was like, well, muscle with that comes, you know, you got to have some water and you've got to put it on. So there's a water weight gain that comes with the creatine intake as well. And that's not often talked about when we're talking about supplementing with it. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that. Um, at the end, at the risk of using you as my personal dietitian, um, what, oh, totally. <laughs> what kind of, um, timing do you suggest with, with creatine? I'm thinking of trying it. I never have. Um, but I do CrossFit now. So I'm thinking of trying it. Yeah, no, I would say that that is definitely something that you could consider trying. Um, and usually you want to take it as close to after your workout as possible. You do have to load up with it. And I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head. So I don't want to give out some false numbers for loading it. Um, but you have to have a buildup in your system before it starts to really take effect. So a lot of times this means that you may need to be taking it twice a day, um, to start off for those first two weeks. And then afterwards, you're going to take it in that window of anabolic opportunity. So that 30 to 60 minutes post workout to see the most benefit from it. Cool. Okay. I hope that's useful for some of our listeners. (laughs) I I will say though, for supplements like protein powders, creatine, that sort of thing during pregnancy, because they aren't regulated and because the fetus would be receiving 
everything that you eat. I would pause on any sort of powdered situation <laughs> because they just because there isn't um we just don't have the scrutiny on on that. So if you're pregnant that is not the time to start creatine. It would be <laughs> it would be postpartum or if you are taking something and you do find that you are pregnant just to kind of put that stuff on pause um and then and then resume after you have the baby. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template and your training plan should not be either. Prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule, how much you can train each week, your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. But as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code FEISTY, F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, shout out to Team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect. And I was able to choose how much stuffing I wanted in it, which is super important to me because I'm doing a decent amount of CrossFit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky. So having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night. 
And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% mulberry silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two-minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match. And then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there. And something that's coming up in my head, and I'm wondering what you're thinking, what you think about this, because we had this conversation a few times here at Feisty, where we're kind of torn sometimes between um, this this amazing, really like cultural push to to for body positivity and saying like, you know, start first with like loving your body as it is, fuel your body well, like that's an amazing starting point for anyone who wants to like reframe their diet and, and totally agree with that. Um, and at the same time, like as an ex athlete, or I know that like in real life, you know, sometimes in our menopause community, there are women who actually have a weight loss goal. And I don't want to also be someone who tells them, no, you just need to love yourself. You're not allowed to have the goal that you have, or like that leaning down for your sport is somehow a bad goal. Like I think in and of itself, if we could separate those goals from all the cultural like stigma around weight loss or what looks good or how women are supposed to look, I think we could maybe see it more clearly, but it's really hard. So I don't really know what my question is, but I'm wondering like, I, you must deal with this type, like this kind of every day in, in what you do. So do you sort of have thoughts or things that you suggest for people in terms of like finding that balance between like that goal of um, sometimes that goal of weight loss with, with like, let's just start at a different starting point. Yes. <laughs> I feel like you, we talk about this a lot and um, I think you nailed it. And the way we've talked about it most recently is said that, you know, we have the cultural situation of weight stigmatization and we're putting the onus on the individual rather than on the environment and the culture in which we live. And now that stigma needs to be taken off the individual so they can actually lose the weight because we know the research shows that weight loss can be a good thing. It can be preventative of disease and all these other benefits that you just mentioned, but we don't need to always blame the individual. It includes our environment, it includes our culture, it includes the things that surround us. And whenever we address the more global or macro aspects of weight loss and obesity, then we can deal with the individual on a much more loving and caring basis. So we're working with them to meet their goals and maybe they are weight loss and that's okay. Um, but we have to do it in a healthy way. And that healthful way is like you said, loving your body, knowing that it can do all these amazing things, but also recognizing that, you know, you have this opportunity to improve and there's nothing wrong with that as well. Yeah. And also the thing like, if you, if weight loss, is not your goal? That's totally okay too. Right. 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 And the, I mean, 
you can't hate yourself into losing 20 pounds. You know what I mean? And so that is where kind of that mindset shift changes is that you say, well, my body is amazing. I had two kids or, you know, I um, have done all of these sports or climbed Mount Everest, whatever. But, you know, but you can't say it does all these great things, but I hate myself and I will love myself when I lose 20 pounds. That will, that won't ever happen. So, I mean, you just, yeah, that you can dissect the way you feel about your body and your goals and they can, and that would actually be better than, you know, than having this really negative image about yourself and no, and, and thinking that it will change when you hit this weight loss goal. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be healthier, achieve a healthier weight, um, but also addressing the environment. <clears throat> and that's something that, you know, you can set, you can, you can address some of your environment. You can't address the entire environment, but you can address your household and, you know, kind of places that you go um, and kind of reframe what your environment to some extent so that it does help you to be successful. Mm. Yeah. It's such a difficult, you know, because it's, it's, um, it's a culturally a strange moment because I think we definitely, like, I love that there's so much talk about body positivity and separating someone's size from how fit they are as a, and the way that we view people. Like, I think that's, that's really, really important. And I also don't want to like I said at the beginning, like start to stigmatize people who might have a different goal or a weight loss goal or might need to be lean for their sport. Um, it's tough though, because with a, you have a lifetime of feeling like thinner is better, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's hard. It like maybe impossible really to separate those things. And it is. And like you said, like there's certain sports, like I grew up as a competitive dancer and talk about like a culture where that's really promoting uh, a physical physique that is thinner, fitter, you know, taller, shorter, depending on what you're doing. Um, I think there's a lot of progress that has happened in the past 20 years that I've seen in this sport. And um, that's reverberated into other aspects of sports. So people are looking more of the total body person rather than their weight and what that means and looking at more body composition as opposed to just that number on the scale. And that's a lot of what we talk about too, is like, what's your body composition look like? What is it doing? What can you physically achieve with your body? And what does it look like inside your body? Like, this is also something that we're looking at. We mentioned blood chemistry earlier and, you know, how do we you know, work on specific dietary changes to help improve your cholesterol or your blood sugars. These are also important things that have nothing to do with weight necessarily, but when we make dietary changes to them, these things can improve as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's, uh, before we go, I'd like some practicals, uh, leave our audience with some practical things. So I'm just wondering about meal planning. I know you work with a lot of moms, like planning meals and snacks. This is a thing that's ongoing for me. Like I, I don't know what like DoorDash or skip the dishes. Like I use it way too much, those things way too much right now. (laughs) Um, And so actually I just moved. So I live near a um, grocery store. So it actually Uh, reduced my, but like, it took that, like I had to move to like literally right beside the grocery store in order to start like (laughs) doing meals again. Um, So that's my starting point. But like, you know, I think everyone's always looking for that. I heard you say, you know, apple and cheese slice, like that's a great, easy 
snack or like trail mix, but what are some other things that you suggest for the uh, busy working moms? Well, it's funny because I'm writing an article about this right now, like this, there's multiple uh, drafts of this, but I, I think with meal planning, we put too much stress on having these innovative dinners and they've got to be elaborate and they've got to look like dinner. And I think that the biggest thing is to give yourself permission to feed your family. And sometimes that looks like Kendra does a great muffin tin picnic thing. Um, you know, putting in, you know, some protein and some carbohydrates and some veggies and some fruit. And that's dinner is, is a picnic. And I've done, um, from the run fast, eat slow cookbook, the superhero muffins and scrambled eggs. And that is dinner. And last night we had smoothies and that was dinner. And so I think just kind of giving yourself permission to, to be okay with it, not being like chicken cordon bleu and roasted bacon wrapped asparagus stalks (laughs) and, you know, some fluffy golden parsnip roast situation. So, um, So I think that's the first and foremost, and then getting your schedule. So sometimes we have very busy seasons and you can just put your meal plan on repeat. And I know I've been in that season for like 12 weeks now with soccer and all the things. And so, um, if you create a meal plan, you might just use that over and over again. And one thing, and I'll let Kendra talk about this is it's easy to kind of do themes for dinner nights. Oh yeah. So in our family, we have, we have, but we typically had spaghetti every Sunday night and we did that for years. We have recently stopped doing that because of change in season, as Tiffany mentioned, but we always have pizza night. We do homemade pizza on Saturday nights. And if it's not homemade, then I'm getting takeout or I'm getting frozen pizza, but I know that I don't have to think about it. Um, I can roast some veggies with it when I throw it in the oven together, or we get some fresh carrots. And so they can have that alongside the pizza or salad bag salad, whatever makes it easy. That's the part on Saturday. Like I don't want to clean up and I like pizza and it's good for everyone who doesn't like it. Um, other things that we tend to have, like we've heard meatless Mondays or taco Tuesdays. Like if you can keep within this like frame of it, it doesn't have to, you don't have to be tacos every Tuesday, but if you know that you need to have tortillas on hand and a can of beans in the cabinet and some cheese and lettuce and salsa, like, okay, these are the things that you get every week from the grocery store because you're, they fit within these themes. And so you don't have to think about it necessarily, but it just makes things a lot easier. Kind of along the same lines of um, that is make the freezer your friend. I think a lot of us tend to think, oh, frozen foods aren't as good as fresh foods. Well, not always the case, especially whenever we're looking for foods that are in season um, when it comes to vegetables and fruit. A lot of times if we are going to the grocery store, those foods might not be in season, especially in the winter. Uh, Summer, we have the benefit of getting more seasonal fruits and vegetables, which is great, but uh, they're picked typically at the ripest time and then frozen. And so what you're getting from the freezer is going to be really good quality as well. So make it your friend. Uh, It's hard to have fresh food available on hand all the time. And so we'd like to have some backup meals, um, uh, either in the fridge and the refrigerator, freezer cabinet that are just quick and easy to go, whether it's a bag of broccoli, some egg noodles and pesto, like that is the quickest meal that we have. And it is so easy, uh, that I don't have to think about it. And I know it has protein and carbohydrates and, um, 
lots of fiber from those vegetables. So that's great. Another thing that we tend to have, um, like whole grain rice, um, you can get it in a bag. So you don't even have to do it on the freezer. If you need or on the stove, if you need to, or you can get it like in bulk. It's so however you want to make it work for your family, but have mm-hmm. that there again, like canned beans are a wonderful thing to have. Um, and frozen vegetables or fresh vegetables. We do lots of roasted sheet pan meals. I know I'm just throwing everything out here right now, but I want to make sure that everyone has lots of good ideas, but make it easier. Uh, We always like to say work smarter, not harder. And the same goes for meal planning as well. Give yourself a break and learn to relax with it. You just made me feel way better about my meal planning. (laughs) (laughs) And this is for dietitians. Like we do smoothies for dinner. Right. You do this for a living. Yes. 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 That's perfect. (laughs) Because literally the first thing, you know, you were talking about the, um, the dinner, the, uh, sorry I'm missing the, the picnic dinner oh, yeah right? like I literally that's how I do my kids lunches yes like she gets a picnic every once in a while she's like mommy can't I just have a sandwich <laughs> like that's okay, too much work yeah. I, yeah I exactly. have to prepare this ahead of time <laughs> yeah it's just like veggies in one bag fruit cheese meat sticks like it just goes in crackers <laughs> that you send her off um so I do that a lot the other one like I love is like I'll often pair a like some kind of frozen meal, like maybe like an Indian that's actually like, you know, just literally a pre-made frozen meal. Um, but with like, I'll just have like veggies and hummus with it. Right. Raw. So like, I just like mix it up so that we're still getting that veggies and hummus, but I can still like four minutes in the microwave and dinner's ready. Exactly. You got to do what works for you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Okay. So where can we, our audience, where can we find you? Our website's feelinglifenutrition.com. You can also find us on Instagram at feelinglifenutrition. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, I'm at dietitian Kendra on Instagram, and Tiffany is Tiffany or dietitian.tiffany. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was easy to because you had similar Instagram handles just with like yeah. with being di- dietitian Kendra and dietitian Tiffany. It was easy to find you this morning and watch all those great reels. Oh, okay. awesome. <laughs> Yeah. And so if you, you can also just Google, Google feeling life nutrition and then up we come. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for the work that you do with women and with moms. Uh, Really love seeing people doing that work because, you know, when I was uh, even 10 years ago, when I was pregnant, we didn't have, I didn't have things I could Google. So um, really love seeing how far things have come. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for spreading the word on women's performance and everything that entails. We are and 100% support of all of these different levels and always look forward to the podcast coming out and the different experts that you have on here as well.